Today's podcast is brought to you by Ahrefs. Ahrefs is a really awesome SEO toolset powered by big data and very well known and respected in the SEO space. Ahrefs has all the tools you need as an SEO from keyword research to website audits, but mostly, mostly Ahrefs is well known for their impressive web crawler, which crawls 4.1 million pages every minute. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, Get a chance on this podcast to win a free one-year subscription to Ahrefs. Just tweet now listening to Search Engine Nerds podcast and use the hashtag SEJPRIZE as one word to enter the giveaway. The contest will run from March 1st to April 1st. One winner will be drawn each week for four weeks and winners will be announced on April 15th on SCJ Search Engine Journal. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Search Engine Nerds. I am your host, Brent Satoris, and today we are joined by a good friend of mine, Bastian Grimm, Director of Organic Search at Peak Ace. In today's episode, we are going to talk about page speed, mobile websites, mobile first index, which is coming, and what you need to know about all of it. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Bastian, great to have you on the show. I really appreciate you joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. You know, we, we've you know been a part of Oktoberfest, the SA Oktoberfest group, and, and last time we were there, we were talking a lot. A lot of people were talking about mobile first. Um, after I came back, and I, en- I ended up doing a podcast with Gary uh, Yesh from Google, and he was talking about mobile first, and then recently we've seen... Um, what I thought was kind of a, not a surprise in practice, like in, in the fact that they Google announced, you know, mobile uh, page speed being a, a ranking factor, but the fact that they actually, you know, clarified and, and, and dictated it as being a ranking factor. So there's been a couple different things around uh, mobile first, and so I wanted to talk to you a bit about that. And first, I just wanted to get your thoughts in general about mobile first index, mobile today. What's going on with that? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting, an interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, it kind of um, is out there for quite a while, and no one really kind of understood, or probably some do struggle a bit even now to kind of understand what's really going on. So, um, I mean, I had the kind of the same experience as you kind of just described. Uh, that was, I think, like roughly a year ago when I first kind of figured out that. I mean, yes, you know, mobile first indexing kind of essentially switching things around, right? So going with, you know, the, the mobile user agent and then essentially taking, uh, you know, the mobile web presence and, and rank things based on that and not as they do it today, kind of using the desktop and then just kind of do the differences to kind of figure out, you know, how does mobile, or how is mobile supposed to rank? Um, and, and obviously, I mean, they're doing the same thing right now with, with you know, all the performance scoring, right? So they, they take the desktop side essentially um, and then, then kind of run the run the performance numbers against it. And essentially, right now, it doesn't really matter from a scoring perspective is a, if, if a mobile site is, is fast or not. However, I guess from the user perspective, uh, that's a totally different story, right? Because, I mean, we don't want to wait um, on, on, a, on a mobile site to kind of load. I think it's, it's even worse if, if a mobile site is, 
slow compared to compared to a desktop side, I guess. But it's interesting now because um, I think we've all kind of felt like there's in SEO there's actual ranking factors and then there's the you know elements that kind of impact those factors, right? So for instance, social media signals has never been uh, included in the algorithm. Right, but we True. know yeah. that it reduces bounce rate and it causes repeat visits and it sends bots, you know, and it, so there's a lot of factors that it can impact, but it's in itself, it doesn't. But Google announcing that, you know, page speed is actually going to be a factor, I thought that was a pretty significant stance from Google, considering they've never even allowed social signals to become a factor. Do you think that that means that we're really about to see the rollout of mobile first and that, you know, we need to really start paying attention to scores more than ever? Yeah, I think I think essentially you're right. I, I, I had kind of the same impression. Um, and then Google making kind of clear stands on things is actually a very rare thing anyways, right? So I think you're, you're right with what you're saying, that it's kind of, they're trying to kind of make sure that people get the, the significance of it. However, though, I, you know, there's also the other side of the story that if you look at, you know, everything around speed and then obviously at some point you kind of have to at least mention uh, you know, accelerated mobile pages, the, the AMP initiative, which I honestly think is, well, it has at least a political taste to it in a sense that, you know, you could start the AMPs without HTTPS, now you need HTTPS, then you could say like, well, maybe that's just the kind of in, another way for Google or, you know, Google forcing things to kind of where people actually have to adapt on things that they would want them to do. And you could you could argue that, the same is true for 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 speed in a sense as well. However, though, I to be honest, I see the benefit of it. On, on the other hand, I mean, we all are kind of kind of not really willing to wait for a site to load. So I guess, um, and that's that's how I how I usually tackle the, like this whole performance kind of thing. I guess it's not so much about SEO. I mean, yes, granted, we 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 might have you know better crawl efficiency if we kind of just deal with the you know, with the computing time that we that we get uh, in, in a better way. But generally, I guess it's it's really a user experience kind of topic that 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 speed should be um, first and foremost. So how do you how, would you have any idea in your mind what a good speed is? Like, I mean, I know the scores for a long time, people were like, uh, you know, page speed score, don't worry about it. Even Google has a bad score, you know, balance your business initiatives and fix the things that make the most sense. But, you know, Google has, you know, on occasions come out and said that they really look at, this was a while ago, they were saying they really look at two seconds as the, as the goal, right? And then they were like, everything yep. should be one second or below. And, yep. but, but we know that the average out there is like five six seconds for most sites you know <laughs> yeah, so, very true. so it kind of makes me wonder and it, I also find this from clients and from other individuals who are trying to figure this out well if Google's saying two then one but they're at four and then they're seeing an average of four to six what's actually a good speed do you have any idea on in, in your perspective of what you think is a good speed yeah I think you know first and foremost this this page speed insight scoring that Google threw out there like a couple of years ago really with the, with the, with the with the tool that they that they provided is is really problematic because this number just doesn't reflect how you know how fast the site is at all so like I think my first point would be 
just kind of forget about the PageSpeed Insight scoring. That what the tool is recommending you is just really not applicable. So the second, the second thing then, and that's also true, just to kind of throw that out there as well, is this you know time spent downloading that we have in the Search Console, which is like another number. Which again, if you look at how they do that. Um, because that's just, you know, an average on different file types. And I guess we all know that, you know, like a CSS file or a JavaScript is just way faster than like a full website. Um, it's just not relevant at all. I mean, you could see kind of maybe anomalies that, you know, things go up and down, but generally that's also not a proper number. Then the two seconds that you mentioned, I think that's kind of, um, that's kind of out there for a while. And I think it has also not only be, been kind of, you know, um, stated with, with Google or from Google's side, but also... Um, there was a, just a recent study from Nielsen um, where they surveyed quite a bit of people, and actually that was the, kind of the same outcome. So you have this two seconds, um, maximum three, and then like 50% were already gone. So this is like th that thing seems to be quite valid. However, though, I think like if you look at measurement, that's one of the biggest issues that we have on the performance side. I mean, the kind of the state of the art measurement up until now was essentially to kind of go with with something like you know webpagetest.org and then use the like the, the speed index and maybe time to interactive. And I think even Google figured at some point out that that's not enough. And what they did, um, I think it was Chrome 62, I believe, they, um, they introduced something that they, um, that they called the performance observer. And essentially the idea is to like, measure um, with, in this case, GA, then kind of different uh, paint timings. So essentially, you know, when does the most relevant element on a site um, really appear and when can you can you kind of consume that so if you think in kind of the youtube logic the only thing that you really want right is to, to watch that to watch that video and that video is your kind of hero element and essentially that's the thing that needs to be there like really really fast so i i kind of a, kind of approach a bit differently and look at those different pain timings so um, time to first pain and time to time to first meaningful pain or this kind of hero element and really take and where, that as a rule, right? And where can you measure that? I mean, I know, you know, you have a sense of being able to measure that. I mean, I know that mm -hmm. the webpagetest.org, they have first paint. Uh, I don't know. Uh, do they report meaningful paint? Either way, like, what's the best way to actually, for an average person, to find out their, you know, yeah. uh, first paint? Yeah, I think th there's there's two ways two ways of doing that. So as I mentioned, that when they introduced this performance observer like um, a couple of months ago, what they did is you could measure that with um, with uh, just analytics. So what you have to do is you have to extend your um, your GA code with this performance observer, and then it just measures this um, this kind of uh, paint events, and they show up in like the custom metrics in GA. But the easier way now that because they released it a bit later, that's why I'm just adding that now. It's like they um, obviously um, kind of pull, uh, pushed out uh, something called Lighthouse, and then Lighthouse does also measure pain timings. Um, and it's, it's, it's way easier to do. So essentially, if you have Chrome, um, you go to the DevTools um, in Chrome, and then you have Lighthouse there available. And then you can just kind of um, essentially run the same tests um, on, on mobile speed, and then they use um, those pain timings and give you like an idea of you know, how fast your site is actually really painting depending on the mobile um, connect connection and, and these kind of things. So that's that's probably the easiest way to do it. And do you think that Google is going to be paying attention to both first paint 
first meaningful paint and i mean i guess i say both but all three mm -hmm. and full load or from from your experience and your conversations what what do you think is the general i mean we're just guessing right i mean nobody knows yeah. but yeah just guessing wise are we thinking first paint first meaningful paint or full load as far as like what's going to be factored in from a ranking algorithmic perspective yeah, that's that's actually a really interesting one, isn't it? I mean, like from my perspective, if you just look at the kind of the evolution of all those tools out there, and then I mean, essentially PageSpeed Insights, Score, then like WebPageTest.org, which is kind of a Google managed kind of you know service right now. Anyways, then then they they brought out kind of Lighthouse, and then Lighthouse, you could probably guess that at some point there might be a, like a like a SaaS hosted version of that as well, because they now kind of incorporate that already into the old page feed inside. So I think, you know, this is kind of, it's kind of moving along and I'm not entirely sure what they would be using, but I, I guess that definitely, um, well, I would doubt that it's just full page load because essentially um, what you really want is you want the critical rendering path. So the first view to be fast. And that only makes sense if you look at something like the, like the first meaningful paint or like the, um, the first, um, I think the hero element in a sense. So you mentioned uh, critical rendering path, and this is something that you know you've spoken about a lot, and I think makes a lot of sense when you better understand it. But mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, like, what is the what is the technical way without getting too technical about it, but so that somebody could understand how would you go about implementing critical rendering paths um, on your your website. I mean, most people, they tend to either, they, this is how it came, right? I got a WordPress mm -hmm. site or I've got a, yeah. some site and this is how it comes. What, I mean, is this a developer required, you know, type fix or can somebody make efforts to improve on that on their own? Yeah, I think ultimately, if you want to really do it well, then you probably need some, some development resources. I mean, the concept um, of the, that the critical rendering path or the rendering path optimization, probably better said, is that, and is that essentially what you want is that what you see in your screen straight away um, is that what needs to be very fast and then the rest can follow. That's, that's the general the concept of it. And then if you think about that, obviously, there's not that one critical view because obviously that's depending on the device and the resolution of that device. So what we do usually when we kind of look into this kind of optimization for, for, the, for, the, for the initial render is that we, for example, take analytics and then look at the, you know, say five uh, most common resolutions that people are actually using to access that given site. So you would essentially, what you would do is you look at the re resolutions and then figure out, you know, what is the CSS um, that is required to display what's in that first view. Um, and then you kind of go the way with your IT guys and separate the, the style sheet information um, into one that's responsible for that what's straight um, straight visible straight away, and then also what's coming after. So that that's the general idea of it. Awesome. So one of the things that I notice when we start going down this path is that you start looking for what is delaying your site, right? What mm -hmm. might be causing some yes. slowdowns. Yes. So yeah. webpagetest.org, great example, right? They give you a waterfall, they give you mm -hmm. visuals. Um, um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting that one of my guys on my team brought up during an audit a, a, about a year or so ago was the fact that with the waterfall, you could actually see that some of the hero advertisements and some of the e-commerce sites, mm -hmm. like the most important important ads were not even seen 
because by the time the, the, the site would have loaded, the ad would have already moved on to the second ad. Yeah. And so some of the carousel type ads, some of the like really important stuff was not even getting shown. So I thought that was interesting. But yeah. um, one of the things I note is you'll go and run one of these. You look at the waterfall and sometimes there's like a second or two before it even loads. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it looks like, if, again, I'm not super technical, but it looks like it's just trying to connect to the server at that point. Mm -hmm. Is that something standard? Is that something that you can work with your server company on? Why is there like sometimes even two seconds of just waiting. Yeah, I, I mean, there could be multiple reasons, but the most obvious ones is what you what you essentially already said. So, you know, think in a way that you go to dub, 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 um, searchenginejournal.com, right? And then that, that domain would probably um, load stuff from um, maybe a CDN. So say, you know, cdn.domain.com in that case. What needs to happen when the first element will be loaded, and that could be an app, that could be, a, you know, JavaScript or anything, Obviously, this, uh, the domain name needs to be kind of resolved to the IP address in the background. And for the first time, that, takes, that can take time, depending on how fast the, the system actually responds. So, yeah, definitely looking at, you know, waterfall and figuring, figuring out, you know, what are, um, what are elements that we call that render blocking um, in, 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 like in performance optimization? What are the elements that actually block the, the rendering of a site for whatever reasons? That could be DNS lookup. That could be, you know, now in, in, the, in the kind of, scenario where we literally are all on kind of HTTPS. There could also be like, you know, certificate validation, um, handshakes and all the stuff that happens kind of in the background that a user wouldn't even see um, that can slow down systems kind of significantly. So, and then what you could think of is maybe um, there's a, a technique called um, prefetching or pre-rendering and that's also possible for DNS. Um, so if you're getting, that's probably the rule of thumb, if you're getting data and everyone kind of does that at some, to, to some extent, from like either third party or you know you're using subdomains for some of your assets, then one of the things that I would always do is kind of um, you know uh, DNS preconnect and and also even do the uh, certificate handshake um, to just in the background so that the first request doesn't have to wait. Interesting, interesting. I have to learn a little bit more about that. It's a uh, kind of technical, <laughs> yeah, it's but it's stuff definitely. Yeah, so true. so yeah. there's obviously a multitude of things, but in anything, there's the low-hanging fruit. So yeah. today, somebody's listening right now. They're like, look, I'm going to go run this. They go to webpagetest.org. They run it. They're like, crap, it says 12 seconds, right? Um, mm -hmm. They start looking at a couple things. What do, you, what do you see on average as some of the easiest quick fixes? We talked about critical rendering path. Sometimes yeah. that's <clears throat> doable. Sometimes it's not, just depending on people's resources. We talked about you know, the DNS lookup and, and, and some potential ways to fix that. Is there any other kind of low-hanging fruit things that you see that you know, everybody can do to kind of improve their speed? Yeah, I mean, there's there's loads of stuff, I guess, but um, I think the the really the really easy things, or especially the ones with the with the biggest impact, um, are th the first thing I would have a look at is you know what are your images or how are your images performing in a sense? Because I mean, we have I I believe the average right now is uh, 65 percent of uh, you know web traffic is somehow caused by by visual and and mostly mostly by images. And then, I mean, obviously we have this, you know, JPEGs and uh, PNGs and, 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 and even GIFs to some extent that are out there for ages, but they, they not necessarily are the, like the, the best kind of file types for, for what you're actually trying to achieve. So the first thing I would just have a look at is essentially, um, you know, are they, is the compression working properly? 
um, are they really just, you know, are you requesting the size of what you're displaying or are you actually kind of requesting something bigger and then scaling it down while it's displaying it, which is just, you know, a waste of, um, a waste of data in, in a sense because you're loading something that's bigger as you would kind of display it in the browser. So quick fix for that is obviously kind of just go, there's tools called, for example, Tiny PNG or Tiny JPEG. You could kind of dump on any given or there's WordPress plugins called Kraken. Um, you can dump in, you know, any given image and they kind of run it um, keep the quality, but just make it as, as small as you can. And once you've done that, I mean, there's also newer file types. You know, WebP is one of the Google initiatives, which has a bit of a compatibility issue, but still, that's out there. Um, there's extended um, uh, JPEGs. So I would have a look at really, uh, you know, file types and especially image file types and see if what you're using really is the most efficient way. So that would be one thing. And I think maybe to, to kind of just add a second one, um, custom fonts, and generally also JavaScript is probably a bit different, but the problem with both is that, you know, JavaScript as well as uh, fonts that are not on your machine right now, um, but need to be transferred first to then display something or, you know, display fonts on the website. Uh, they just slow, this, slow the process down. So I would audit my, my waterfall and see, is there either, you know, custom fonts that I'm requesting and that make the site slow? So then you could use, there's various techniques to just make sure that they will be downloaded as, as fast as you can. But that's not the way, you know, how you usually do that. Usually you would just request the CSS and then use it, but that's render blocking. So not a, bit, not a good idea. And also for the JavaScript, um, again, whenever you can, and you can offload something from the rendering tree, um, then basically it doesn't block anymore. So you had the ad example just earlier. I mean, the ads not necessarily, well, they are not really relevant for, you know, rendering the site straight away. You could just have them flip in later or, you know, other functionality out of the um, initial view. So JavaScript images um, and, and probably fonts are the, the, the big three that I would um, definitely have a look at. Awesome. I got a time for a couple more questions. Um, one I want to ask you is, Mobile first coming, um, you know, what do you think about timeline? Gary was saying, you know, to me last year, probably in the first quarter 2018, but he's not going to commit to a time <laughs> yeah. because, you know, the problems with that. Um, and, um, and, and so I kind of alluded that to being in the first six months. But then I asked him, I said, are we going to see an announcement? Are we going to see something that's like hey, tomorrow's mobile first? And he said no, that they were planning on rolling it out over time and in a way where most people wouldn't even realize that it happened until it was over. Um, yeah. Have you had any thoughts on that? And have you started to see or heard any kind of buzzes on when we could start to see an actual shift to mobile first? Yeah. I mean, when I first, when I first heard that, uh, that announcement, I was like, Oh geez, this is going to be really tough for like for the SEOs to just, you know, when something goes wrong, but you don't really know if that site has been switched or not, that's going to be insanely hard to, to debug that. And then I think at some point we also like stumbled upon this announcement, right? That you could eventually use, you know, um, server logs and then see if like the crawl volume of kind of the, the mobile um, crawler has been like increasing kind of significantly compared to what you have seen earlier as an indicator of, you know, has the site been switched over or not. So I think essentially I would, I would agree with you on the, I think it would have been way easier if you just would have gotten kind of a, a tiny notification, but instead they, they kind of said like, well, we might inform you if, some, if things didn't work out, but we're not going to tell you if you're switched. Um, on the other hand, 
from a testing perspective, I have seen actually quite quite a lot of sites where you know on a temporary scale you had really weird results. So for our, for one of our clients, they were on this kind of old fashioned M dot setup, um, you know, with the real alternate and everything set up like really solid and that was working for like you know three years without anything we didn't touch anything um no problems it worked well so on the mobile when you when you when you search through the phone you got the m dot um everything was great and then at some point a bit after the after the announcement what happened was all of a sudden the mobile subdomain and then we looked at the visibility and I, I believe it was search metrics in that case um all of a sudden the the mobile um subdomain so the m dot domain um, gained visibility on desktop. So essentially what happened really weirdly was that that site was starting to show for, um, you know, for, um, for queries that have been done on, on desktop for no reason. So I believe that, and we didn't change anything and it was gone after four weeks. So like really, really strange stuff. Um, and I've seen loads of those strange cases where all of a sudden um, that, that moved left and right. Um, and it really feels like they, they, as you said, they're like testing a lot. And I, I believe that and I think it was also something that Gary said at, uh, I guess it was SMX Advanced, if I'm totally mistaken, that they really have never done this entire crazy big switch and they just have to test very thoroughly. And I, I believe that they're just doing that, you know, left and right. And we see some of that and, and some we don't. Interesting. Um, with M-Dots, you mentioned M-Dots. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Google at first was very, uh, we're not going to tell you how to do your mobile sites. But then it kind of became more like, well, there's no real wrong, but we highly suggest responsive, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then you started hearing a lot more about responsive and less about M-Dots. Um, should people be making mobile versions of their site or is responsive really the best way uh, in your mind right now for being mobile friendly, mobile ready? Well, I think um, the, the responsive has probably the advantage that you don't have to do stuff twice. I think that was what Google was stating over and over, and I believe that makes sense, is that, you know, if you have now on, on your desktop site, you just have, you know, structured data and all the other nice kind of optimizations already in place, and you haven't done that on the M dot. Well, you kind of now have to kind of synchronize things because if they flip it over and then rank you based on the M dot and you don't have the stuff there, well, yeah, how can you rank, right? So that's I think that's the one of the main reasonings for for them kind of advocating and advertising for responsive because on responsive essentially it's it's, it's just one site um, and and one um, one URL where the stuff is there no matter what kind of resolution or what kind of crawler, be it desktop, be it mobile, um, ends up on, on collecting the data and processing it afterwards. So I think that was the core reason for it. And the, the, the downside, though, if you turn it around, I mean, performance optimization on uh, a responsive side is actually way harder because you just need to invest way more kind of thinking around how do I do that right? Because essentially, it's the same site on the on an M dot. You have it stripped down. It's probably less markup. It's um, you can request like a smaller JavaScript or whatever that is. Um, versus on responsive, you really have to kind of you know you have to think about images that you need in different sizes for different viewports. Um, so that's just you know from the conceptual side of things, it's just more work. But if you do it right and if you do it really well, I believe responsive is a great is a great solution because you're not you don't have to maintain different sites for different kind of um, devices, really. So I believe 
if you can do that right, then, then responsive is actually a great way to do it, yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing you really have to consider is as we go mobile first, um, I've been telling people right now, I mean, for the most part, when people look at web design, they look at creating their web property, they think about testing their web property, they're looking at their desktop. And then, mm-hmm. you, you know, halfway through, somebody goes, well, what about the mobile site? And they're like, ah, you know, I, I think we've actually gotten to a point now where I've been telling, you know, my clients and stuff like, I don't really care about your desktop right now. I want to know how your mobile looks. I want to know how your mobile works. And I think that that's another aspect that really becomes important with responsive is, is that it drives me nuts right now when somebody <laughs> sends me an m.facebook link. Yeah, 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 I open it up yeah. and on my desktop and I'm like, what the hell? How do I get, you know, where am yeah. I at? How do I get out of this? And sometimes and you, you get this huge like stretched, you know, it, you know, expression. So even Facebook's not doing a really good job at identifying that this is not a mobile and, and redirecting you back to desktop. You know, it's like all these issues come up. So I definitely think, um, you know, in my opinion, responsive and going responsive. I mean, if you have an M dot, um, if you're technologically required to have have one because of issues then so be it but i mean or if you had it in the past but going forward if you're creating something fresh or making a change uh it should be you know in my opinion to to responsive yeah i totally totally agree on that i mean especially if you create if you create new or if you're just you know rebuilding things then i would i would also strongly kind of vote for for doing that on a on a responsive setup really um because I mean, to the to the point that you made with you know um, the M dot versus the the dub 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 and you know how people are testing that. I mean that that's totally right because th- what what we've seen over and over again is like well yeah we built this nice site and desktop is great and everything works and then yeah how about mobile right? So I think that's not the way to do it anymore. You should probably rather build from like the smallest kind of dumbest uh, device and then. You know, uh, build your way um, the other way around. Exactly. I guess that's that's probably what I would what I would also uh, strongly strongly suggest. And that's probably also true for HTTPS, right? I mean, there's no reason now if you're if you're uh, you know if you build something new not to go straight um, you know HTTPS and and be done with it. So I think same logic applies to that as well. The only thing I've seen on HTTPS, and I'll have to make this the last comment uh, on you know just just because we brought it up, is that I do see problems where people have third-party solutions. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. we have a couple of situations where they're like, yeah, we're ready to go HTTPS, but we have to get an update patch from this third-party you know, inventory management system because once we switch over to HTTPS, it won't recognize it, so it won't auto-import. Yep. And so there are some reasons out there, mm-hmm. but really there's no reason. Like at this point, you have to no, you, get on. You're, you're things, right. You know? you're, um, you're totally right. On that because I mean that's the, that's still the biggest kind of the biggest issue is just dependencies on on kind of old legacy systems that for whatever reason you know can't can't or won't or whatever the reason is um, you know run on, on on kind of secure connection um, but from the performance side same story again I mean with HTTP two it just it's it really is it makes performance optimization so much easier because you know we don't have we have streams then and we don't have the the issue with too many requests. So I think it just really, it is a cool way to just incorporate HTTPS and, and combine it with like, you know, the new protocol and the stuff that that brings with it as well. So oh, I think that's going to be a whole nother story we're going to yeah, have to go yeah, through with every yeah, client is the HTTP2, yeah. you know. <laughs> Absolutely true, yeah. <laughs> the that's what? We just went to <laughs> HTTPS. You'd be like, oh, yeah. All right, uh, Bastian, anybody wants to find you, they want to follow you, they want to get in touch with you, how can people find you online? 
Um, I'm on Twitter, as probably everyone is, even though it's not the strongest thing in Europe these days, but um, it's uh, BASGR on, uh, on Twitter. Perfect. And uh, I appreciate you joining me. This was a great conversation. I think there's a lot of really good information in here for anybody that's battling this, and I think just about everybody's battling this right now. So I appreciate your time. You're most welcome. Thanks for, uh, for having me. It was good fun. Thanks, bud.